0: Turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 11. Our scripture reading uh, this morning is going to be Luke chapter 11, verses 45 through 54. And if you're using one of the uh, blue pew Bibles, uh, you will find Luke chapter 11, verse 45 on page 870. You may remember that these verses are the second half of a narrative which we uh, began looking at last Sunday. In the first half of this story, Jesus is, is at a party at a Pharisee's house and uh, he sits down at the table without first washing his hands, greatly offending his host. But Jesus uses the Pharisee's offense as a chance to to teach him something about the true nature of obedience. What does it truly mean to hear and keep the word of God, You'll remember that in the, the previous narrative, the, uh, the discussion that Jesus had with the crowds after healing the man who was oppressed by a mute spirit, Jesus had, had said, if you're not with me, you're against me. And being with me means hearing and keeping the word. It is the one who responds to me with true faith and, and repentance. But here at this party, Jesus is showing us by way of contrast what that hearing and keeping really looks like. And first, last week, he told us it doesn't look like the external hypocrisy of the Pharisees. This morning, he's going to tell us that it does not look like the the casuistic uh, sophistry of the lawyers. And so let us give our attention uh, to the Word of God. Luke chapter 11, beginning at verse 45. Listen to this. This is the very Word of God. One of the lawyers answered him, "'Teacher, in saying these things, you insult us also.' And he said, "'Woe to you lawyers also, "'for you load people with burdens hard to bear, "'and you yourselves do not touch the burdens "'with one of your fingers. "'Woe to you, for you build the tombs of the prophets "'whom your fathers killed. "'So you are witnesses, "'and you consent to the deeds of your fathers, "'for they killed killed them, and you build their tombs.' You did not enter yourselves, and you hindered those who were entering. As he went away from there, the scribes and the Pharisees began to press him hard and to provoke him to speak about many things, lying in wait for him, to catch him in something he might say. That is the reading of God's Word. Let us pray and ask for his blessing upon our study here this morning. Father God, indeed, this is your Word Written under the inspiration of your Holy Spirit. And Father, in these words, we are made wise for salvation. For in these words, we hear you teaching, correcting, rebuking, and training in righteousness. Father God, we pray that your word would be effective here this morning by the power of your Spirit. That we would not just here, Father, but that we would hear and be changed, that our minds would be renewed and our lives would be transformed, and that we would be equipped for every good work which you have prepared for us to do. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Sometime last year, I think it was early in in March, several major retailers received a cease and desist letter from the New York State Attorney General's office. They received these letters because of the herbal supplements that they were selling in their stores. It turns out that the store brand supplements that were on their shelves contained little or none of the herb that was actually listed on the bottle. One newspaper put it this way, said those store brand ginkgo biloba tablets that you bought may contain mustard, they may contain wheat, they may contain radish, and many other substances decidedly non-herbal in nature but they are like unlikely to contain any actual ginkgo biloba and it's not just the the ginkgo tablets 24 supplements were tested and of those only 19 or 19 had absolutely none of the herb that was listed only 5 contained some of the herb now, depending on how cynical you are, you may or may not be despri- surprised by a report like that. But whether you are surprised or not, you probably feel at least a little bit of righteous indignation. You probably have at least a little bit of a sense that that's just wrong. It is wrong to sell someone something under false pretenses. It is, it is false. To, it is wrong to sell someone something that's not what you say it is. <coughs> Especially when the thing that you're selling them is meant to promote their Well, in a sense, that's exactly what Jesus accuses the lawyers of doing. Here in these verses, Jesus is addressing lawyers, those who were uh, tasked with teaching the people of Israel the law of God and how to keep it. And he says, you claim to be showing the people of Israel. You claim to to be showing my people, the people of God. You claim to be showing them the way of life, but in truth, you're pointing them in the opposite direction. You claim to be showing them how to keep the law, how to honor and serve God. But in fact, you are teaching them how to dishonor God and how to serve themselves. And so in the second half of this narrative, just as as Jesus exposed the, the hypocrisy of the Pharisees in the first half, he's now going to expose the hypocrisy of the lawyers, those scribes who were tasked with the job of, of teaching the people how to keep the law. In fact, that's why the, the Pharisees, or that's why these scribes are, are offended by what Jesus said to the Pharisees. Notice what the, the man says. He, he comes to Jesus and he says, listen, teacher, when you insult the Pharisees, you insult us. Why is that? Well, it's not hard to figure out. The lawyers are the ones who taught the Pharisees how to keep the law. They're the ones who who taught the Pharisees what the law meant. A a Pharisee was a layman. A Pharisee was one who was devoted to keeping the law. He was one who was set apart. That's how he saw himself. He was other than the the hoi polloi. He was other than you know the the, the common riffraff. Other than those whom they called sinners. He says, we are set apart from them. We diligently, we zealously keep the law. But it was the scribes, it was the lawyers who taught them what the law meant. And so it's easy to understand why the lawyers heard Jesus' rebuke of the Pharisees as a rebuke of them also. By telling the Pharisees that their obedience was deficient, Jesus was at the same time telling the lawyers that their teaching was deficient. And when one of the lawyers points this out, Jesus just agrees. He just says, yes, you're right. Woe to you also. In fact, he pronounces three woes against the lawyers. First, he says, woe to you, for you load people with burdens hard to bear, and you yourselves do not touch those burdens with one of your fingers. Then he says again, woe to you, lawyers, for you build the tombs of the prophets whom your fathers killed. And finally, he says, woe to you, lawyers, for you have taken away the key. Of knowledge, Three woes. Three woes that, that together show us that these teachers of Israel were false teachers indeed. That their words were not the words of life, but the words of death. In fact, these woes are actually warnings. They are warnings to us to be on our guard against such teachers. And so this morning, I want us to look at the first of these woes. And you'll see it there in verse 46. Jesus' first woe is a, is a woe against the lawyers for loading the people with burdens hard to bear and for not touching those burdens with one of their fingers. So you'll notice there are actually two parts to that rebuke. First, the lawyers load the people with burdens hard to bear. What does that mean? Now, we know that these lawyers, they're not lawyers like we think of, they're not necessarily the ones who are trying cases, but they are teachers. They are sometimes called scribes. They are the ones who who teach the law. And so it makes sense that the burden that that Jesus has in mind is the law. But in what sense do the lawyers make the law a burden? There's different opinions about that. There are are some who, who think that Jesus is here speaking about the the sort of detailed instructions that the lawyers had built around the law. You see, the lawyers were very concerned that people not violate even the slightest precept of the law. And so the best way to do that was to build a fence. You know, they don't want people walking right up to the edge. They want people to kind of keep a safe distance. And so they had built instructions all around the law. They had had built a hedge around the law to to make sure that people would not violate even the, the slightest precept. So, for example... There's the fourth commandment. And the fourth commandment says, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy by not doing any work. And the, the lawyers come along and they say, well, we need to help people keep that commandment. And if we're going to help them keep the Sabbath commandment, we need to tell them what it is to work. We need to define for them labor. And so they actually had 39 classifications of labor. And each of those had seemingly endless subdivisions. For example, carrying a load was considered labor. But well, what's a load? How much is a load? How much, can, how much weight can you carry? And so they said, well, a dried fig. A dried fig is a load. Anything heavier than a dried fig is a burden. But they didn't just stop there. They, they went even further. They said, but it's only a load if you carry it in your hand or on your shoulder. If you carry it in your mouth or if you put it in your pocket or if you carry it with your toes, well, then that's really not violating because that's not the way you carry a burden. And so they had all of these rules, they had all of these detailed instructions about the way that you keep the law. And they were trying, at least in their own minds, to to help people. They were were trying to help people figure out how to keep the law. But Jesus says, listen, your detailed instructions are are creating a, a burden that is hard to bear. But it wasn't just the fact that they were making these extra instructions that Jesus has in mind here. It wasn't just that they were sort of piling up all of these extra rules. We can imagine why rules like that, why detailed instructions like that would be considered a a burden hard to bear. I mean, how many of us haven't felt burdened by the IRS tax code? It is detailed. It is hard to follow. It's hard to figure out what you have to pay and what you don't have to pay, what deductions you can take and what deductions you you can't take. And and all of those detailed instructions is, uh, is, is a burden. It's a burden that we feel. But I think Jesus is saying more than that the lawyers have made the law complex. Jesus is actually telling us that the way that the lawyers teach the law turns it into a burden. Because what did the lawyers teach about the law? The lawyers taught that the law is what you must do in order to earn God's favor. The law is what you must do in order to earn God's favor. Blessings in order to earn eternal life. They turn the law into a covenant of works. Something that you do in order to place God in your debt. And when you do that, you turn the law into a burden that is impossible to bear. Why? Because the law is more than we can handle. The Old Testament tells us that from the very beginning. As soon as God gives the law to the people, he says, you're not going to be able to keep it. I mean, talk about a, a, a depressing uh, 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 statement. Right at the very beginning, as soon as the people are like, yes, we're going to do it. We're going to, we're going to keep this law. And they're like, no, you're not. Have you ever sort of had that experience where you're, you, you make a resolution? You say, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to, I'm going to you know, stop uh, eating french fries. I'm going to start exercising. I'm going to read my Bible every day. And your friend's like, no, you're not. You can't. You can't do that. Well, that's what's going on. But God says, here's the law, and you can't keep it. You can't keep it because you're sinners. You can't keep it because your heart is, is, is full of wickedness. You can't keep it because, because you love the darkness. You're too weak. And so when the lawyers take that law and say, here, this is what you must do in order to earn God's favor, you are placing upon them a burden that they cannot possibly bear. Look about what Paul himself says in, in Galatians. He says, if you rely on the law, you are under a curse. Why? Because cursed is everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law. If you stand upon the law, if you come before God upon the basis of your own record, then that record must be perfect. Because if it's not, you will receive the law's punishment rather than its blessing." And so if you rely on the law, if you if you put yourself under the law as a covenant of works, the law is going to kill you because you can't keep it. Thus it's not just the extra regulations that the, that the lawyers piled on top of the law. it was what they taught about the law themselves. It was the way they told people that they had to keep it if they wanted God to bless them. This is why Jesus looked at the crowds and, and referred to them as those who were, Heavy laden. Remember that? In, in Matthew chapter 11, Jesus looking upon the, the crowd, He says, Come to Me, all of you who labor, come to Me, all of you who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take My yoke upon you. Learn from Me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy, and My burden is light. The people were heavy laden because they had been taught by the lawyers that they must keep the law if God was going to bless them. Now notice something. Jesus still gives a yoke. We, we saw that earlier in, in Luke 11, did we not? Jesus said, blessed is the one who hears the word and, and keeps it. There's still a yoke here, but what's the difference? The difference is in the role that that yoke plays. The difference is in the way that we understand the law. The lawyer said, it's a covenant of works. The the lawyer said, do this and you will live. Jesus said, now because I've made you alive, go and walk in the blessings of the law. Obedience to the law was an expression of the faith that that received the, the life that Jesus offered. Jesus does not call us to earn God's favor by obedience to the law, but rather He sets us free to obey the law because we have God's favor. The law Obedience is not something that we give to God in order to earn His love, but rather it is part of the gift that He gives us because He loves us. If we had to keep the law in order to earn life, we would be without hope. We would be crushed. But Jesus says that's not the way this works. It's not a covenant of works. Yes, you have to keep the law. And, and yes, you have to keep the law from the heart. It's, it's not the, the externalism of the Pharisees. But you're not doing it to earn my favor. You're doing it because you've tasted and seen that I am good. And, you, and you've delighted in the, the sweetness of the law. Think about what some of the things the psalmist says about the law. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The law of the Lord is right, rejoicing the heart. In Psalm 119, we read that uh, your law is better than gold or silver pieces. It is sweet in my mouth, sweeter than honey. It is a lamp to my feet so I can see where I am going. It is a heritage and a joy to my heart forever. Their testimonies, Lord, are wonderful, and therefore my soul keeps them. Those are the words of one who has understood what Jesus means if they are ones who have rejected the lies of the Lord, who say, keep this and live, and says understands instead that God has set us free to keep the law because it is His blessing, because it is His blueprint for flourishing. So the first thing that we need to hear this morning as we hear Jesus rebuking the lawyers, the first thing we need to be on our guard against is those who make the law a burden hard to bear. It's a burden hard to bear If it's what you have to do in order to earn God's favor. But what have we sung here this morning already? Jesus is our priest. He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. He has hushed the law's loud thunder. He has set us free from the law so that we might now obey the law with peace and joy. So we must be on our guard against those who would make... The law, a burden hard to bear. But also we must be on our guard against those who do not touch the burden with one of their fingers. This is the second part of Jesus' first woe against the Pharisees. Not only do they load the people with burdens hard to bear, but they do not touch that burden with even one of their fingers. Now again, there's some debate about what exactly this means. One possibility is that Jesus is rebuking the lawyers for you know, not practicing what they preach. We use that phrase sometimes. We, we say that, that someone doesn't practice what they preach when they, they tell somebody to do something, but then they, they don't do it themselves. And maybe the lawyers were teaching them that they needed to tithe and then they weren't tithing themselves, but... The evidence doesn't suggest that when we when we look at the the evidence of the of the New Testament, we see that these lawyers actually did a pretty good job. They were they were actually very scrupulous. They were very zealous in their adherence to the law. They followed their own instructions pretty well. And therefore, it's not likely that Jesus is is rebuking them for not keeping their own rules. But rather, Jesus is rebuking them for not helping the people keep the law. He says, listen, you load these burdens on people and then you don't actually help them to bear it. You don't offer them any real assistance. You you tell them to keep the law, but then you don't help them keep the law. Now, I'm sure that when the lawyers heard that, they would have objected. There was probably many of them who kind of hands went up and said, wait a second, Jesus, we help people keep the law. What are you talking about? We, we tell them all the things they have to do in order to, to keep the law. Our instructions are detailed. They are clear. Now, there's no room for misunderstanding. Of course we help people keep the law. And Jesus would say back to them, well, yeah, you're right. You, you do give all kinds of detailed instructions. But my point is this. That your instructions, that if they followed your instructions perfectly, they wouldn't actually be keeping the law, they'd be violating it. Jesus' point is that all their detailed instructions actually do the opposite of what they're intended to do. They're not detailed instructions about how to keep the law. They're they're detailed instructions about how to evade the law, how to how to get around the law, how to do what you want while looking like a law-keeper. We see this clearly in Matthew 23. In Matthew 23, Jesus is, is teaching much of this same material. It's a, it's a different context, so it's not just a, a parallel passage. He's, he's teaching it in a, in a different context, but he's teaching a lot of the same things. And he's, he's telling the, the crowds that are listening to him to be wary of the Pharisees and to be wary of the lawyers. He says, yes, they are the teachers, and so you, you need to listen to them, but don't do what they do. Don't keep the law the way that they keep it. Why? Because their keeping of the law is actually an evasion of the law. We see this very clearly in, in Matthew uh, chapter 23, verses 16 and, and following. You can turn there if you uh, have your Bibles with you. Turn with me to Matthew 23, beginning at verse 16. What does Jesus say? He says, Woe to you blind guides! Who say, if anyone swears by the temple, it is nothing, but if anyone swears by the gold of the temple, he is bound by his oath. Okay, this is how the the lawyers understood, uh, you know, not bearing false witness and not taking the, the name of the Lord in, in vain. They said, okay, here's the rules. If you, if you swear by the temple, so if you're in a business act transaction and the person wants some, some proof, and you're like, no, I swear by the temple. This is, this is good stuff. This is, this is actually grain. Uh, this is, there, there's no sand in it at all. Swear by the temple. You're not bound to tell the truth if you swear by the temple. But if you swear by the gold in the temple, God will hold you accountable for that oath. That's the kind of thing that the lawyers taught. They, they did the same thing with money. Uh, we talked about it in Sunday school this morning. They said, listen, if you, you, you're supposed to use the money that God gives you. You're supposed to use it for the good of, of others. But if you devote that money to the Lord, if you promise to leave all that money to the church in your will, well, then you don't actually have to give it to anybody else in this life. You don't have to give it to your parents when they're in need. You don't have to give it to as alms to the poor. You can just use it however you want because you've devoted it to the Lord already. And so they, they created ways around the law in order that they might be law keepers who could still do what they want. I saw something going on like this even in modern Judaism. I, I saw a, a video this week that uh, was sent out by, by one of you. I can't remember. I think it was Rodney. But you know they sent out a, a, this business insider video about uh, the Jews in New York City. And, and whether you know it or not, there's a string that in, encompasses all of Manhattan. When I first saw that, I thought it was like an onion piece. I thought this must be some sort of joke, that there's no way that this is true. But it's, it's actually true. There's a, there's a string that is maintained by the Jewish synagogue in Manhattan. Why? Well, because on the Sabbath, you're not allowed to go more than a Sabbath day's journey from your house. But people, they want to go all around New York. And so the way you do that is you put up a string. Because if you extend a string from your house, then all the area encompassed by that string is your house. And now you haven't violated the Sabbath. And so they pay hundreds of thousands of dollars a year to maintain a string around New York so that they can go where they want, so they can do what they please. It's a a picture of the lawyers evading the law. And it's easy for us to sort of sit back and laugh and to sort of mock these lawyers for for such silly teachings. But there's a warning for us here as well. Jesus is, is warning us. He's warning us to beware of teachers, to beware even of our own hearts who want to evade the true meaning of the law by way of clever applications. That's what the lawyers did. They, they, they didn't help people obey the law. They helped people evade the law. And we must be wary of, of doing the same thing. We must be wary of thinking, well, if we just tithe, if we give our 10% to the church, then I can use the other 90% for myself. You know, if we tithe, that's the law, that's what the law says, and I'm going to do that so that I can be as selfish as I want to be with the other 90%. That's not what a tithe is. Why do we give a tithe? What is a tithe? The tithe is the first fruits. It's the, it's the first fruits of the harvest. And when we give that to the Lord, we are meant to be saying to him, we give this to you as a pledge that the whole harvest is yours. We give this to you as, as a sign that the whole thing is devoted to your service. We don't give 10% so that we can be selfish with the other 90. That's not the point. Teenagers often do the same thing with their relationships. They draw a hard line in the sand about how far they can go. And they say, okay, here's the line. As long as I don't go past that, I'm good. And that way I can do whatever I want up to that point. That's not how God treats teaches us to to relate to one another. That's not what it means to to truly love your neighbor as yourself. That, okay, here's the line and I can do whatever I want up to that point. That's not the way that the the law works. Others might do something similar with with truth-telling. Maybe you're steadfastly committed to, to never telling a lie, but you're perfectly content to deceive someone so long as you can do it with the truth. So long as you never say anything contrary to facts, you don't mind if if you lead someone to believe something that is false because you didn't tell a lie. In such a way, we are evading God's true purpose for the law rather than actually keeping it. And we have to ask ourselves, what is our goal? What is our ambition? When we hear hear the word and keep it, do we think, well, okay, I need to technically keep the law. Now let me find out how I can get around it so that I can still do what I want. Or is our ambition to keep the law because they are wonderful? Is our ambition to walk in the light of the law because we know that it is sweet, we know that it is good, we know that it is more precious than silver or gold? Are we looking for ways around the law like the lawyers? Or are we looking to keep the law at its very heart because we know the lawgiver and we know that he is good? See, Jesus says, the one who is with me is the one who hears my word and keeps it because he believes in me. And if you believe in him, you won't look for ways around his law. If you believe in him, you won't think you have to keep the law in order to earn his favor because you know you've already got it. If you believe in him, you will be on your guard against those teachers who are like these lawyers. See, that's the point that Jesus wants us to. To get. That's the, the warning that Jesus wants us to hear. He's showing us what it means to be with him, He's showing us what the obedience of faith looks like. He said, Listen, if you don't, if you don't obey, if, 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 you, just, if you just hear what I say and you, and you walk away uninterested, then you're not with me. But nor are you with me. If you're, if you're keeping the law in a very external way, if you're just interested in in the rituals, or or if you're really just trying to look like a law keeper while you're trying to get away, around what I actually intend. We, we know this as parents, do we not? We know the difference between our children obeying what we actually meant and adhering to some very subtle, strict definition of what we actually said. You've had that experience, right? Well, you didn't say. Well, how many of you ever thought, well, they were truly honoring you? They were truly honoring you when they went with the strict adherence to the, the letter of the law while completely missing the point. We know. We know intuitively. That's, that is not what it is to honor. Why would we think God would be pleased with that kind of obedience? He says, listen, don't, don't come to me trying to buy my favor. You've got it. It's been purchased with the precious blood of Christ. That's what we're about to celebrate here at this table We don't have to earn God's favor. It's already been earned for us. Don't come to Him either trying to get around His law as if His laws were burdensome. His laws are not burdensome, but they are good. His yoke is easy and His burden is light. For His law is the blueprint for our flourishing. His law is the light that shows us the way of life. Follow it with joy. Follow it with joy because you know the lawgiver. Follow it with joy because you know he loves you. Follow it with joy because you know he is wise. Follow it with joy because you know he is calling you to holiness. Because in holiness you will find the inexpressible joy for which you were created. And so here, even in the rebuke of these Lawyers, hear his good news that says this is what it means to follow me. It doesn't mean bearing a heavy burden. It, it doesn't mean being casuistic in, in some ridiculous way to get around the law. But it means hearing my, my words as the words of life. Receiving them as things hard for sinners to keep. But things that sinners long to keep. Because we've tasted and we've seen the goodness of the Lord. Let us pray and ask that God would give us the grace we need to hear good news, even in his law. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you. We thank you for your law. Father, when we approach the law as a covenant of works, it kills us. But Father God, when we know that we have been set free from the covenant of works... By the work of your son, Jesus Christ, when we know that his blood was spilled for us and his body broken, that we who were deserving of wrath might instead know blessing, that we who were justly condemned might instead be justified. Father God, when we remember this gospel, we remember that your law is in fact good. We remember that it is sweet. We remember that it is precious. We remember that it is wonderful. Father, grant us the grace to hear the good news of Your law and to pursue it, Father, to to endeavor after it with the zeal of one who has been set free. Father, we pray for this grace in Jesus' name. Amen.